fallen sinner, come home. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to be over in John chapter 4 again. We're going to be in uh, verses 16 through about verse 26. As we look at this section today, we want to see how Jesus is talking to a sinner and telling her to come home. That He's ready for her to quit living the way she's living. You know, we've been... I didn't mention this last week, but um, as we were looking at John chapter 3 a few a while back, we saw that, uh, that Nicodemus came to Jesus and he was a ruler of the Jews, right? He was one of the high and powerful and the mighty people. And, you know, Jesus always, it's amazing how Jesus always shows us how he goes to the the highest of the high, or actually the highest of the high came to him, and now he's going to go to the lowest of the low. And we see that all over the scripture, that, that one minute he's describing Abraham, Paul describes Abraham, and how he was a mighty man of God, and then the next minute he's talking about Rahab the harlot, and about how she came to Christ the same way, through faith. And over and over and over again, the Scripture says that uh, the Gospel is for everyone who believes. And it's not just for a few, but it's for everyone who believes. And so this morning we want to talk again a little bit about the Samaritan woman. You know, we've been talking about last week how Jesus goes through Samaria. And uh, He says He must go through Samaria. Because there's a divine appointment he has. There's a woman over in Samaria that he needs to see. And the Jews didn't go through Samaria. They usually went around because the Jews hated the Samaritans because basically they were the half-breeds. When Assyria took the Jews captive, they hauled them off somewhere else. And when they hauled them off, they would leave. They would take the, the mighty people out of the city and they would leave the poor and the people who couldn't really fend for themselves. And, and those people would be grateful because they uh, took care of them and they would kind of get some loyalty out of them. But when they got through, what happened was they came back in and um, a lot of people moved back in that area. And they weren't Jewish and they ended up marrying with the Jewish people. And next thing you know, the, the Samaritans were intermixed with another race and uh, God had said for the Jews to never do that uh, and so they were considered the half-breeds and then also the Samaritans had caused the Jews a lot of problems Sanballat, you remember that guy Sanballat they kept messing with Nehemiah when he was trying to rebuild the wall and many other things transpired between them and so there was a hatred not only for the Jews to the Samaritans, but the Samaritans towards the Jews. And so they would go around Samaria. They wouldn't go there. And Jesus comes to the lady and he says, you know, give me something to drink. And she says, you have nothing to draw with. And basically says, are you going to drink from the same vessel that I have? Because Jews and, Jews and Samaritans didn't talk. Uh, Jew, Jewish men 
didn't talk to most women, and then Jewish uh, rabbi definitely wouldn't talk to a woman at all. And that's just the way they were. And then here she is, a Samaritan woman at that, and she just doesn't understand that. So, you know, you can see this in a number of ways, too, that uh, first of all, he sees just that he's a Jew, and then a little bit later on, he's going to see that he's a prophet, and we'll see that this morning. And he says, you know, give me something to drink, and she just thinks in human terms. And what he's doing is he's drawing her in. And it's kind of funny because uh, it's amazing how the Scripture you know, ties things together. In chapter 2, he had the empty water pots that uh, the Jews used for washing. And he got them to fill them up with water and then he turned that water into wine to show that he was Christ. And now here this lady's coming with another with another empty water pot to fill it up to drink and she's going to leave with something that's going to fill her up way better than water could ever fill her the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ and so as we look at this section this morning let's look at verses 16 and uh, to 26 it says Jesus said to her go call your husband and come here The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So what's going on here in this passage this morning? As we look at this section of scripture, remember he he starts talking to her, about water and about the living water and she just doesn't understand she doesn't get it she says you know uh, sir give me this water in verse 15 that I may not thirst nor come here to draw in other words she's thinking in earthly terms alright this guy's going to give me some water and I, I, I won't ever have to come back over to this well and draw the well now remember this woman is a uh, is a woman who's looked down on. Uh, from what I understand, uh, she's coming at a time that nobody else is coming, and is uh, trying to figure out. A lot of people don't know whether he's using Roman time or whether he's using Jewish time. If he's using Jewish time, this is about six in the evening. 
if it's Roman time, I think that's right, it's 12 noon. Now, since there's nobody else there, it's probably 12 noon, the hottest time of the day, and nobody else is there, and she's coming to the well alone because guess what? None of the women will have anything to do with her because she has a bad reputation. And so she comes to the well alone, and that's why there's no one else there when Jesus shows up and He starts talking to her, trying to get her to understand her need for a Savior, trying to get her to understand where she's at in life. And then and she just doesn't get it. She's thinking in earthly terms. Give me this water so I don't have to come back down here again. I don't have to come in the middle of the day when nobody else is here. I don't have to be shunned by these women and, and come down here by myself because usually when they came to the well, it was a time of talk, a time of enjoyment. I guess sort of like the modern day, you know, everybody gathers around the water cooler at work or something around the coffee pot. And it was sort of like that. But, but you know, she's there alone and, and so... She just doesn't get it. She just doesn't understand what Jesus is trying to tell her. So Jesus is going to pinpoint her. He's going to kind of put the the needle to her a little bit and say, go call your husband and come here. And his objective is trying to get her to see that she's a sinner, that she has a need, that she needs Christ. And the woman answers, and says, I have no husband. And so, what does she try to do? She tries to just make it sound like she's never been married, you know. And isn't that what most people do when you try to pinpoint them with their sin or when people try to pin us down and uh, ask us about something we did wrong? We always try to divert it, right? Isn't that what Adam did in the garden? He said, he said it was the woman you gave me. And the woman said, it was the serpent, you know, and everybody's blaming everybody else, and it's never our fault, right? So she just tries to turn the conversation away and say, I have no husband. But you know what? You can't fool Jesus, because guess what? Jesus knows everything, right? And so he says in verse 17, Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. In verse 18, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. And so basically what he says is you've been married uh, five times, and she's probably been divorced five times, uh, most likely since uh, nobody else wants anything to do with her. Either she uh, is done something wrong to be divorced or else her husband's just divorced her for wrong reasons and he says the one you have now is not your husband and so basically what she's doing now is she's living with another man she's been married five times and now she's living with another man and Jesus wants her to understand that she's a sinner you know that, that you have to understand before you can get saved, that you're lost. You know, it's sort of like if you go out in the woods, you know, some people will never say they're lost, or a man will never say he's lost if he's out on the road. Now, I will. But uh, most men won't admit they're lost when they go on a trip, will they? They say, no, I'm not lost. I, I know where I'm going. 
But you know what? That's, that's kind of the way it is. Most people, they don't want to admit their sin. They don't want to admit they have a problem. But here, he's trying to get her to understand that she has a need. And until you understand that you have a need for Jesus, you'll never come to Him. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Now she understands that he knows a little bit more than uh, he appears. First she just sees him as a Jewish man. Now she understands that he's got some in-depth knowledge about her because she hasn't told him this. He, he knows this because he's God, right? And so he, she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain... And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now, I don't know for sure. Uh, some people say that, that she's trying to divert the conversation and turn it to something else. Some people say that uh, she figures since he's a prophet, that she wants to learn a little bit more about what she really ought to do. And... You know, that's kind of what I think is happening here. And so she says here, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And so she's kind of asking, Well, what should we, what should we really do? And because, uh, you know, what happened was the Jews, they were worshipping in Jerusalem where they were supposed to. Now what happened was the Samaritans, they moved over to this other area because they weren't wanted where the, where the Jews were at. And so what they did was they decided since they go, couldn't go to Jerusalem, one guy set up a temple in another place. Now there might have been some good reasons for setting up that temple because uh, that was actually the place where uh, Moses uh, was at the mountain and the people were down below and they worshipped God. And that was a place that could have been a good place to worship. Because they had worshipped God there at one place. But what the problem was, was they didn't have the whole Old Testament. They only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. And because they believed only in the first five books of the, of the Old Testament... They didn't have the full Old Testament revelation and they didn't know where they were really supposed to worship. And then, of course, they were probably doing what people do. People worship what they want to worship. They do what they want to do. And so Jesus said to her, Woman, uh, believe me, verse 21, the hour is coming where you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So, Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. He's talking about His death on the cross. Because you remember every time uh, that word is mentioned, uh, He says, My hour is not yet come. He's talking about the time that He's to go to the cross. He says, You're not going to worship on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. But He says in verse 22, You worship what you do not know, we sure we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. In other words, he's saying just what I said a minute ago. You don't have the full Old Testament revelation, and you really don't understand what you're supposed to be doing 
How are you supposed to be worshiping? Because the Bible says salvation is of the Jews. Uh, Jesus is a Jew. He's the one that died on the cross for our sins. And the Jews are the one that had all the Old Testament revelation. And so all that came through the Jews, and that's how salvation came, is through the Jews, right? And so he says, we know what we worship. In other words, we know what we're doing because we're Jews, but you Samaritans, y'all don't know what y'all are doing because y'all don't have all the Old Testament books of the Bible, and you're only looking at five of them, so you don't understand what you're really doing. And so he says, but the hour is coming... And now is. In other words, he's saying that it's already begun because I'm here. But one day when he dies on the cross, it'll be totally in effect. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. So God's looking for true worshipers, right? He says they will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now some people said this spirit in spirit is capitalized. That that would be by the Holy Spirit. Now that would definitely be true because the only way we can worship God is because the Holy Spirit shows us who He is. And that's the only way we worship Him. You remember Peter when when they were uh, out and about and, and Jesus looked at the disciples and said... Who do you, who do men say I am? And they said some, you know, the prophet, some this, some that. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the most high God. And he says, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but our father in heaven, right? So the only way we can really truly worship God is because the spirit of God comes into us. Now, what he's talking about here is internal, from the inside, real worship. You know, most people when they go to church, when they sit in the pews, people are doing their duty a lot of times every week. People go to church every week. They go to church because they think that's the thing to do. They think by being in a church or joining a church or going to church on Sunday that they're doing God a favor or they look good and so they're kind of just doing this outward thing that kind of looks good. It's sort of like, you know, you go and you put a little money in the plate and you dress up and you show up and and you go do all the little religious ceremonial things. But a lot of people do that, but they don't have any understanding of God, who God really is They don't worship Him. They don't love Him. They don't uh, follow Him. They don't uh, do His will. But what God is saying here through Jesus is that He's looking for true worshipers. People who from the inside with their innermost heart. uh, Remember a while back when we did the sermon on Matthew 12? And it talked about that Jesus said that He wasn't looking for uh, sacrifice, but He cared about the heart. That that sacrifice, that that true worship is that which comes from the heart, right? It's not about just outwardly looking good. 
But it's about doing it because you want to, because you love somebody, because you care for somebody, because you want to do what you're supposed to do. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say do? He said, if you love me, you would what? Keep my commandments, right? And so those that really truly know Christ as their Lord and Savior, they've come to that place where they ask God to forgive them and ask God to save them. And they know that they know that they know that they're going to heaven because they trusted in Jesus Christ and they're not trusting in baptism. They're not trusting in a church membership. They're not trusting in keeping the Ten Commandments. They're not trusting in good works. But they're trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone to get to heaven. They are the ones who from the innermost being, they worship God in spirit. That's from the innermost being with their whole heart. And then in truth, here's God's truth, right? We worship Him according to what He says in His Word. He tells us what to do, what not to do, how to live our lives. That's what we're supposed to be doing. How to live our lives. He says He's looking for such to worship Him. And verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. In other words, He says, I am He. And so the woman, she, you know, when we talked about John chapter 1, every time the disciples were coming to Jesus, they would learn a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And that's what this woman's doing. First she learns he's a, he's a Jew and then she learns he's a prophet. And now she sees him starting to see as the Messiah. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. And He's going to tell us all things. So she knows that the Messiah is coming one day. The one that's going to die for their sins and die in our place. And and she says when He comes, He'll tell us all things. He'll tell us all these things we need to know. And Jesus just says what He said, what God said to Moses out there in that desert, in that burning bush. I am. You know, and that that's who He is, right? Not I was, not I will be, but I am. When Moses asked him, who do it shall I say sent me? He said, say I am sent me. And that's what he says to her. I who speak to you am he. What he's saying is, I am he. I am God. And so he speaks to her and lets her know that he is God. And that he's the one that she should be looking to to know all these things. He's the one who can save her. He's the one that has that living water. He's the one who can change her and forgive her and and bring her into the kingdom of God and give her the ability to worship in spirit and truth. And you know that's the same thing with us. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus can forgive us. Only Jesus can can get us to heaven, right? It, it amazes me 
how much people know of this Bible, but they really don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I run across people all the time. I ran across somebody the other night. They quoted me some verses and said, uh, you didn't think I knew that, did you? Kind of surprised you, didn't I? And yeah, I was a little surprised. You know, but, but it amazes me that, you know, you can learn a lot of verses, you can go to church, you can do all the things the world says to do, but you can miss heaven. Because there's a verse in 1 Timothy, I think it's verse chapter 3, verse 7, says that people were ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus is going to say later on in this book of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but by me. So if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't come to that place where you've said, God, forgive me. God, save me. God, I want to get to heaven because you died in my place. You died for my sins in the form of Jesus on that cross. And there's nothing I can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. Then you need to do that today. Because guess what? I know you are a little bit older. But I could walk out of here today, I could get in my car and I could drive down Duran Avenue or I could drive down Abercorn later or I could drive down the street somewhere out there on Highlands Expressway or anywhere and I could get hit by a back truck and I'd be gone. I'd either be in heaven or hell. I'd be in heaven because I know where I'm going because I have done that. And you need to do that if you have not done that. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to save you. Ask Him to come into your life. Because going to church doesn't get it. Being baptized doesn't get it. Joining a church doesn't get it. Keeping the Ten Commandments doesn't get it. Being better, uh, I've done more good than bad. And there's some kind of eternal scale up there. And uh, if you've done more good than you've done bad, then you get to heaven. But if you've done more bad than good... You go to hell. That's not the way it works. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, He who believes is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. So all you got to do to go to hell is just not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He doesn't say believe and get baptized. He doesn't say believe and keep the Ten Commandments. He doesn't say believe and join a church. Believe and do all this stuff. But He says believe that I died in your place. I died for your sins. There's nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it. But Jesus paid it all. And that's what we're going to sing this morning. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But He washed me. White as snow. Let's pray. That's number 77. Father, we love You. We thank You. We praise You. That because You paid it all, we can go to heaven. You paid through Your Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that You are just and the justifier of those who believe. You are just because somebody had to pay the penalty for our sin. And because we couldn't pay that penalty... You came 
is Jesus Christ and you you died on that cross for our sins. And that way you could legally declare us righteous because you had paid for our sins. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for us. We love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 77, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left that crimson stain, but he washes me. Why is snow? I'm the child without a home. I'm the widow left alone. So be McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to our program, The Least of These. Every week, we at His Love Ministries, we go out and reach out to those the world has forgotten. We go out to many places throughout the community. We conduct about 70 services every single month. And we go out and minister to those who can't get out and go to church services, those that have been forgotten by the community, those in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, uh, mental health facilities, even the prisons and the jails. And so as we go out and minister to the least of these, we're trying to reach them with the the soul-saving message of Jesus Christ. And He is the only way to get to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. Every week we're out there trying to minister to these folks, and every week we're in the trenches just uh, giving them the gospel, trying to grow them, trying to strengthen them. Many of them are unable, or all of them actually, are unable to be able to go out to services. And so we go out to them. And it's a job that we love because God has called us to it. And so if you like what you hear with our podcast, our main website is hisloveministries.net. You can go over there and you can help us fulfill our mission Uh, reaching out to those the world has forgotten, to the least of these. Because Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so if you want to help us, go out to our website. There's a Donate Now button. You can click on it and donate directly to us. Or you can send us a regular mail, Post Office Box 30513, Savannah, Georgia, 31410. Thank you very much, and God bless you for helping us.